So our first reading comes from Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3. But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. And the second reading is Mark 4, 35 to 41. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. May God bless his word to us. Let's just have a few words of prayer before we go further. Father God, as we open your word, give us the understanding you would have us have. Open our hearts and our minds to your word, that it might inhabit our very being. Anoint me to share your word and anoint our ears to hear what you would speak to us through your scripture. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We continue this week our short series, God With Us. Today looking specifically God with us in the midst of the storm. Picture the scene, if you will. It was a dark and stormy night. I've always wanted to start a story like that. So it was a dark and stormy night. The wind was howling, blowing the top off the breakers before they crashed back into the troughs below. The darkness was broken by momentary streaks of light as the clouds raced across the face of the full moon. Could it be? Yes, it was hard to believe that there was a boat there in the middle of this tremendous storm was a little, tiny, open boat, barely afloat. Hard to believe, but it was there all the same. And if we were able to zoom in on that hardy little fishing boat, we would discover it was occupied by 13 men. 12 fighting for their lives, and one sound asleep. 
You'd have to ask yourself, how in the world did experienced fishermen who had fished this area all of their lives end up in this situation? Well, that story, as you know, is found in chapter 4 of Mark, where our New Testament reading came from today. It had been a long day for Jesus and the disciples. He had just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, had cleansed a leper, and had healed the centurion's servant. Peter's mother-in-law had been healed, and Christ had touched and healed many others. The multitudes had gathered around, and evening was coming, So he decided it was time to move away. So the 13 of them got into a boat. I suspect it was probably Peter or James's boat and headed across the Sea of Galilee. We read in verses 36 and 37, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill up with water. Now, in first reading, it all seems to start happening really quickly. But that was quite normal in the Sea of Galilee. Storms could happen that quickly given the geography of that area. As a result of the funnel shape of the valley and the relatively shallow depth of Galilee, a relatively calm sea could be swept into a deadly cauldron really quite quickly. In Matthew's Gospel, he uses these words, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. Listen to how Luke describes it in Luke 8, 23. He says, As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. So there they were, 13 men in a small open boat, 12 absolutely terrified and one asleep now he's not just resting or dozing, taking a nap he's properly asleep I wonder if any of you have ever tried to sleep on a boat in a storm or even tried to sleep in a boat not in a storm maybe on an overnight ferry to France or somewhere It's not an easy task. And remember, this is a small open boat, not a large ferry or cruise ship. When Susan and I were on holiday a few weeks ago, we booked to go out on a dolphin watching boat trip. Now, seeing the dolphins, and there actually are dolphins in there, seeing the dolphins was amazing. 
And the boat we were on was, I suspect, quite a bit bigger than the boat we're talking about in the Sea of Galilee. Now, it was not a stormy day by any means. But when we approached the part of the Atlantic Ocean where the dolphins were, and the boat switched off its engines and drifted freely with the waves, many people on the boat, myself included, began to look distinctly green and feeling rather ill. It was interesting walking about the boat, stepping over people's sick bags that they had strategically positioned around the boat. I can only imagine what it must have been like to be on that little open boat on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. I certainly wouldn't have been able to calmly lie down and sleep in the back. So it couldn't have been that comfortable for Jesus asleep at the back of the boat. Compounded by the fact, bear in mind, it's an open boat in a storm, so it would have been wet. Mark says this, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus woke up, I suspect rubbed the sleep from his eyes, and said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now it doesn't tell us what the disciples' answer was to that question. Why are you so afraid? Knowing Peter as we do, he did tend to call a spade a spade. His reply might have been something like, oh, no particular reason, just that the boat is sinking. It's full of water. And we didn't put the water there to wash the deck with. Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was great calm. Silence, be still. Now you might have imagined for something as momentous as that, you might have expected big fancy words. By the power of God Almighty, big words like that. You know how? Do you know anybody who has a telephone voice? My mother used to have a telephone voice. And the voice only really came out when she picked the phone up. We, 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 I was a teenager by the time we had our first phone. And that was my first time of encountering a phone voice. My mum picked the phone up. Where did that come from? And sometimes people have their prayer voice where they suddenly start using big words just because it's a prayer. God hears us. He knows us. We don't don't need to come to God 
always with big flowery language like that. And in this circumstance, Jesus simply says, silence, be still. And that's enough. And it worked. And Mark writes that the sea became completely calm. The Bible doesn't say that the storm died down gradually or the storm slowly went away. It says the sea was completely calm. But under natural laws, it doesn't work that way. Think about it. Even if the wind stopped blowing, it would take a while for the sea to calm down. Unless, of course, it's a miracle stepping outside of natural laws. At this point, the apostles still didn't have a complete grasp on who Jesus was. Healing the sick's one thing, but this is something quite different that they've not seen before. What must they have thought? Here's this person in the boat who can control nature. We don't know what happens next as the story ends there. But I do wonder if maybe Jesus went back to sleep in the back of the boat and the disciples maybe stayed awake the rest of the trip talking about what they'd just seen. Can you imagine what it must have been like? The magnitude of it. To one minute feel that you're, you're facing certain death. And then Jesus says, silence, be still. And all is well. Reading about the actions of the disciples gives me hope. We often in our lives mess up. I often in my life mess up. We don't quite get it. Don't always see the big picture. But neither did the disciples. These men travelled with Jesus over the three years of his public ministry, living, eating, spending their days with him. And still they didn't quite get it. They still didn't understand quite who he was. Picture the scene. The disciples are in the boat. A boat, incidentally, that's carrying Emmanuel, God with us, quietly asleep in the back. And the disciples are panicking in fear of their lives from the storm. Or to put it another way, the creator of the very universe the one who actually created the wind and the sea is asleep in the back of the boat and the disciples are afraid of a storm. I think there's a message for us in this passage that's as relevant to us today as it's ever been. Life can be difficult. 
Life has its ups and downs, its storms. And like the storm on the Sea of Galilee that day, storms in life can, troubles in life can suddenly appear from nowhere. Now, God never promised that when we follow Him, it'll all be plain sailing and calm seas. But what he did promise is that he will be with us. Our Old Testament reading from Isaiah says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. God is with us in the storms of life. He's in the boat with us today, just as he was with the disciples some 2,000 years ago. Yet still we worry. We are afraid. We can sometimes become overwhelmed by the storms of this life. And it's human nature to feel that way. And I also think it's part of human nature to try to do it all in our own strength. To try and deal with it on our own. You know, the thing is, though, we don't need to because God is with us. He wants the best for us, his children. He does not want us to be afraid. When you take the phrase, do not be afraid, or similar phrases like, fear not, do not fear, These phrases appear over 300 times in Scripture. Do you think maybe God's trying to tell us something? God is with us if we will only call on him in faith. Take our worries and troubles to him in prayer, like we just sang about. He will give us his peace and see us through our storm. I'm not saying his answer will always be exactly what we want it to be or be on our timescale. What I'm saying is that God is with us and he will be there for us and he will answer us in the way and in the time that is best for us. I briefly mentioned my parents last week, um, both of whom have passed many years ago. When my father became ill, with a range of serious illnesses, my prayer, as you might imagine, was for him to be healed and for me to be given the strength to support him and to support my family. 
As time progressed, though, I felt God clearly and lovingly tell me it was his time. And my prayer changed to the emphasis being to asking God that my father wouldn't suffer. Here's the thing, though. With the various cancers my dad had, heart and lung conditions, etc., the prognosis was that he was likely to be in a great deal of pain as the end approached. But God answered prayer. And the doctors told me very clearly that the way in which his diseases advanced, one of the cancers advanced to a particular part of his brain that made him unable to feel the pain from the various other illnesses in the way that he normally would because of the part of the brain it had attacked. And that situation remained the case until he went home to the Lord. Now, I miss my dad every day. But I feel so blessed, incredibly blessed by God's answer to prayer. God being with me in my storm. Wasn't the answer I originally was seeking. And it wasn't to my time scale. But his answer was right. And God's answer is always right. He gave me a strength I could never have had. Strength to keep going. To be there for my family. Strength to accept and walk in his will. And a peace. A peace that I can't quite understand. At the same time, he drew me so closely to him. I felt his presence so strongly with me, taking me by the hand and holding me in his loving arms through all the storms I was enduring at that time. I could never have coped with any of that in my own strength. But praise God, I didn't have to. None of us have to deal with it on our own. As God promises, he will be with us. If we cry out to him, he will hear us. Life can be hard. If the last few years have taught us nothing else, they've certainly shown us that. But we don't need to deal with any of that alone. Because we have God with us. And he will give us peace. In the great Chicago fire of 1871, over 300 people died and 100,000 people were left homeless. Tragedies like that one always bring out the hero in some people. One of the heroes of the great Chicago fire was Horatio Gates Spafford. He was a lawyer who lost a lot of property in the fire and to make things even worse, his son died around the same time. In spite of his great personal loss, Spafford compassionately helped others who were homeless and grief-stricken because of the fire. 
Because of his generosity and his service, he became well-known throughout Chicago as a sincere, devout Christian. About two years later, in November of 1873, Spafford and his family decided to take a holiday. Now, Spafford was a good friend of the evangelist and preacher Dwight L. Moody. And his family decided to meet Moody on one of his evangelistic campaigns in England. And then from there they would travel on to Europe for their holiday. However, just before they were to leave, Horatio was unexpectedly detained by urgent business in Chicago. So the decision was made that his wife, Anna, and their daughters would go on ahead to England. And he would catch up as soon as he could. But tragedy was to strike on that trip. Just off Newfoundland, the ship collided with an English sailing vessel and sunk within the first 20 minutes of its voyage. Anna Spafford was one of the 47 passengers who survived. Tragically, all four of their daughters were part of the 226 people who perished. Anna Spafford's heartbreaking telegram to her husband simply read, Saved alone. The grieving father immediately set sail for England to join his grief-stricken wife. As the ship he was travelling in passed the approximate location where his daughters had drowned with the ship sunk, Horatio Spafford penned these words that I'm going to put on the screen that I'm sure will be familiar to many of you. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. We can scarcely imagine what it would take to write those words having just lost four daughters. That's peace. Being able to write those words in a circumstance like that would not be possible without peace. And not any outward attempt at peace the world gives, but only the peace of Almighty God. That's the kind of peace God offers us. Peace even in the midst of the darkest, most violent storms of life. Whatever life might throw at us, our constant, our rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus tells us clearly that there will be troubles in this life. But he also tells us he has overcome the world. When we accept Jesus as our saviour, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. There is nothing in the entirety of this world we can't cope with or deal with in Christ. We can have a peace the world cannot understand through our faith in Christ and the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives.
if we will only yield to him, put our trust in him. Think about that. The Holy Spirit of God living inside of you and inside of me. That's the self-same spirit that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of the Father. And that spirit's inside you and inside of me. Let the magnitude of that rest in you for a moment. God with us. We need never be alone. He will see us through our storm if we turn to him in faith, if we take our troubles to him in prayer, surrender, yield our lives to him. The one who loves us, the one who died for us, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.